0: Welcome to an interesting conversion of themes. We're converging the fact that this is the conclusion of what we've been calling our messy series, but this is also the day when we start Holy Week. Uh, The most important week in history is the Holy Week that starts with Jesus entering into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday, and then culminates uh, with Jesus rising from the tomb. On Easter Sunday. So we start with Holy Week today, uh, Palm Sunday, which is the day that set everything in motion for Good Friday and Easter. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into uh, Jerusalem on a donkey uh, with loud praises surrounding him. Uh, This praise parade was uh, so loud and so large that it shook up the power people, so that they would sentence Jesus to death right on God's schedule. So the people who made up this parade were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. They were supposed to be praising Jesus, and they were supposed to be very loud. In fact, making noise was so important that in Luke chapter 20, uh, Jesus said that if these people didn't cry out loud with praise, God would make the very stones do it. So God wanted a big noise, and so God handpicked certain people to be part of this parade. Who do you think that God chose? Do you think that God handpicked self-righteous, button-down, popular people who pretend to have it all together? No! God did not pick people who are pretend perfect. Who did God pick? Well, you gotta picture this, just, just think of this as now a crowd scene and uh, a camera is panning this crowd. Uh, here the camera focuses on a group of fishermen who are some of the least impressive, least sophisticated people around but yet they've been trained to have lung capacity where they can yell from a boat to shore. And so they can make a bellowing noise of praise to Jesus, full of thanks for the way that Jesus has chosen them to do something so much more important than capturing fish. Jesus is calling them as disciples to set people free. So now we pan from these former fishermen now to another group. are They're a group of former street dwellers. They used to live on the street begging because they were injured, they were paralyzed, they were blind or sick or worse. But now these same people who used to uh, be looking for pity on the street are now full of praise on those very same streets because Jesus has healed them or because they've been healed by those former fishermen in Jesus' name. Uh, then the, the camera pans again to another crowd. It's a crowd of former prostitutes who now have this regal bearing because they've, they've seen their worth reflected in Jesus' eyes. And along with everybody else, they're waving palms of praise to Jesus alongside another man who is a former leper. Uh, Leprosy, before he met Jesus, took his hands. He has no hands, but leprosy has taken more than that. Leprosy has taken his family away from him, taken him away from his family, because as a leper, he was cast out of society, cast out of town. And so there was a night when he needed to kiss his children goodbye forever. He touched them for the last time. And that's where this leper went, into isolation, until he met Jesus. And Jesus did something that no one had done for years. Jesus touched him and healed him. And so even though he still has no hands, Jesus gave him back his life, because Jesus gave him back his family. And now his kids are next to him, shouting and jumping up and down with praise to the same Jesus but because he still bears the scars of that leprosy, he can't hold a palm branch, but he can raise his stubs as praise to Jesus in all the way that he has changed his life. Now, the camera swings from that leopard face to face in this crowd, and you can see people, most of whom are a mess of one kind or another. But at the same time, you could say, they're beautiful, that they're like beautiful works of art. You could say that each smiling face in this parade is a masterpiece, true masterpieces of the work of Jesus and his transforming power. Can you picture this? Can you picture this parade, a group of former beggars, former blind, former prostitutes, former lepers, all praising Jesus at the same time. Oh, and there was also one other guy in this parade, a former dead guy named Lazarus. Uh, We know that Lazarus was in this parade because in the Gospel of John, he's actually described as kind of the uh, ringleader of the whole thing. Uh, In fact, let's Let's go to the Palm Sunday account as it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. A large crowd found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the king of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet Jesus. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So, along with former beggars and Former blind and former prostitutes and former lepers, there was a former dead guy named Lazarus who was kind of the ringleader of this parade. And I'm so glad that on the first Palm Sunday, the people that Jesus wanted around him were not people of pretend perfection. I'm even gladder that on this Palm Sunday, Jesus still wants to be surrounded by his masterpieces. That's what I want to be. But how? How do I become a masterpiece? Well, as I look into the faces in the crowd at Palm Sunday, I see that in order to become a masterpiece, first, I must admit, I must be honest about my messiness. When I look out at the Palm Sunday parade, I see people who have given up the game, of pretending to be perfect. I see the blind man who says, uh, I admit it, Jesus. I need your help. I'm blind. Please heal me. We see the, uh, the man who's on the side of the road as, and paralyzed. And he understands that he's a masterpiece because, you know, he can't, he can't do it. So he calls his friends and says, would you bring me to Jesus. In order to become a masterpiece, I have to give up a habit that is really epidemic in our nation, but maybe most epidemic where we live, you know, in and around Fairfield County. Uh, In order to be God's artwork, I must give up the bogus artwork of image crafting. Image crafting is uh, the false art of covering up realities on the inside by projecting an image designed to impress people on the outside. I'm not talking about anybody here, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about anybody here, but for years now, uh, I have been getting Christmas cards that have uh, these Christmas letters in them, and uh, these Christmas letters come from people all over the country, and I think there's either some image crafting going on, or they are just really so happy that they make me sick. Uh, they go on for paragraph after paragraph about how their lives are just full of adventure and fun trips and unbelievable experiences, and they are so happy that it makes me depressed. And I think, how come my life isn't this perfect? And, oh, oh, the kids that these people have. Uh, The people who send me Christmas letters have kids that are geniuses. They're like a blend between Mother Teresa and Albert Einstein and Taylor Swift, all rolled into one. And you know, some Christmases back, I am reading these Christmas letters at my kitchen table. And my two kids are at that kitchen table. And I start reading these Christmas letters. I start reading about kids who play Little League and work for NASA. I'm reading. These letters about babies who are so smart, they're changing their own diapers. And, uh, you know, these letters go on and on about... Kids who always win the blue ribbon and are carrying cancer in the basement. And then while I'm reading these letters, I look across the kitchen table at my two kids and they're competing to see who can stretch the bubble gum from their mouth to their (laughs) eyebrow and back down again. And I'm saying, these kids are never going to be astronauts with research like this. And I just left myself wishing that somebody would write me a Christmas letter that actually was instead about them being happy, think about me and, and making me happy. I'd love to get a Christmas letter about how they had planned for eight months a, a anniversary trip, and how they got a flu on that trip, and then write with me about the bodily details of that flu, and uh, I'd love to hear about all the things in their house that are broken, uh, and then how they tried to fix them, and now they're worse. I want to hear about, you know, all the stuff that, that they, they wanted to do but they couldn't do, and just write to me something that makes me at the end say, man, at least my life isn't that bad, you know. But you realize, you know what, I don't get many of those Christmas letters anymore because uh, uh, now with Facebook, people can do this image crafting all year round, right? With Facebook, I can craft this image of constant activity that makes me look happy even though I'm stressed out and I'm angry. With Facebook, I can craft the image that my marriage is bliss when we're really on the verge of collapse. With Facebook, I can package my kids as this whirlwind of sports and extracurriculars when between activities in the car, we're yelling at each other and we're ripping each other to shreds. Instead of pretension, don't you wish that you could just have a place and some people where you can be real about your messes? Well, you can be real in the community of Jesus. You must be real if you hope to be one of God's masterpieces. One of the best things about this messy series has been the people who have come up here on this platform and have shown us that being God's masterpiece begins with being honest about my mess and giving up the image crafting. People with names like Charlie and Brooke and Sonny and Jenna and Gaylord and Tom. And we respect these people so much because they show us the truth that here at BlackRock, it is okay to not be okay because dropping the pretense of perfection is what I must do in order to become God's masterpiece. Today, we're gonna end this messy series but we don't want to end what we've learned. We want to capture our takeaways. And for all of us, one takeaway must be the decision to seek and maintain some relationships in the community of faith where we can be real and honest about our messiness. I must stop the bogus art of image crafting so that I can start becoming... God's masterpiece. I must decide to stop pretending I'm perfect when I'm not. I have to admit my messiness in the community of masterpieces that we call Black Rock Church, which leads to the next requirement. Uh, If I want to become God's masterpiece, I must be an active participant in God's community of blessed messes. The way God makes me a masterpiece is by making my messing a blessing to someone else. God makes me a masterpiece by the way he uses my mess to strengthen others in the messiness of life. Peter knew this. You know, Peter was in that Palm Sunday parade, and just a few days later, after that part in Palm Sunday, He would deny Jesus three times. But weeks before this huge failure, Jesus took Peter aside and said, Peter, day's coming when you're gonna make a huge mess, but your messing is going to be a blessing to others. Peter, after you fail, go back and strengthen your brothers and sisters. And sure enough, we studied a few weeks back how Peter did just this. After he experienced Jesus' total forgiveness for him, He went back. In fact, as a leader of the early church, Peter made sure that his story of his huge failure appears in all four of the gospels because he wanted to show people like me that it's okay to not be okay because Jesus loves using messy people who are honest about their messes in the community of faith to change the world. And so a key truth that I learned from Peter and his experience is that God turns my messing into blessing in the context of community. God gives me the community of believers to support me in the messiness of my life while simultaneously using my honesty and my messes to support others. Each face in that Palm Sunday parade was smiling with joy because Jesus had brought them out of isolation and into the community of the blessed messes. That's why Jesus came. Jesus did not come just to save individuals. Jesus came to save individuals so that he could bring them into the community of blessed messes. We know that Mary Magdalene, was part of the Palm Sunday parade, because she was at the heart of the Jesus community. But it wasn't always that way. Before she had Jesus setting her free, Mary was possessed by spirits of anger and bitterness and uh, fear and panic. And the Bible says that she was actually possessed by seven Demons who tormented her and made her an antisocial recluse, trapped in isolation and loneliness. But Mary became God's masterpiece when Jesus brought Mary into community. Now, if after Jesus did that and set Mary free, if Mary had then gotten a little too busy and just couldn't seem to fit community into her life, We wouldn't be talking about her today. She would not be one of God's masterpieces because in order to be a true masterpiece, I must be on display in a way that gives God glory and encourages other people. You know, even though we're ending this messy series, we cannot end what we've learned And my takeaway from this messy series includes a decision that I will make it a top priority to be in a community group here at BlackRock. Or if I'm already part of one, I'm gonna make it a priority to be consistent week after week and to come each time as an active participant ready to strengthen others by my honesty in my mess. Again, if you don't have a community group, please make sure you sign up for one. We're gonna start these groups again, April 24th. Now is the time to sign up and get part of God's community because that's the only way you're gonna become one of God's masterpieces, which leads to the final requirement if I'm gonna become a masterpiece. And that is, I must shout out my story of the Savior. God wanted that parade on Palm Sunday to be so loud that he made sure he chose a group of masterpieces who were ready to shout out their story of the Savior. And in the same way, I'm not really a masterpiece until I speak up about how Jesus has saved me in the midst of my messes. My takeaway from this messy series must include a decision to privately reflect and compile and then publicly celebrate The way Jesus empowers me in the midst of my messes to grow and go through them. To become a masterpiece, I must get honest about my mess, get my mess to Jesus, and then get sharing my story of the Savior. And that's what made Lazarus so effective. Apparently, he was willing to tell his story of what it was like to be certifiably dead and then brought back to life. And maybe you have a similar story to tell. Maybe you have a story about how Jesus brought you life in the midst of of the worst kind of mess. If you so, you need to shout about it. You need to do that and let people know. And when you do, you become one of God's masterpieces. But not everybody has a Lazarus story. Sometimes my messes don't end in resurrection. Sometimes it seems like, My messes don't end. Sometimes I'm more like that leper who will always bear the scars of messiness in my life. Maybe that's you. If so, if you're like that leper, you can still raise your stumps in praise because even in the midst of your messiness, you have a story to shout about that makes you more than just a mess. You can share your story of the Savior, and when you do, you become God's masterpiece. Let's pray together. I'd like to just give you a moment here just to uh, maybe reflect a little bit on uh, the mess that you've experienced in your life in the past, or uh, maybe it's, the mess you're in right now, and what it would mean for you to become a masterpiece uh, by admitting it, uh, admitting the the mess that you're in uh, or have been in the past? What it would mean for you to uh, really enter into community uh, ready and willing to uh, strengthen others by sharing your story? Jesus, we thank you that uh, you have come to us not only to Save us as individuals, but to uh, bring us into a community of uh, of true beauty. And we thank you for the artwork in our lives. We just ask now that you would uh, take us from where we are and then lead us to a place where we can be even more true masterpieces to your glory. Amen. All right, we have some people to uh, meet here. Um, we'll start with uh, Gina and Keith. Uh, Gina, what, the, what, what kind of mess have you been going through these days?
1: Um, so, for the last two years, I've been suffering from a debilitating reaction I had to the antibiotic Cipro that I took for a sinus infection. Um, on the third day, I was taking the medication, it was the seventh pill. I remember, at the end of the day, I could barely walk, and it felt as if I was a skeleton and all the screws in my joints had become loose. The next day, I woke up and I had this burning pain in my legs and my knees and my ankles and my hips. And I was so weak, I could hardly stand up. As the weeks progressed, the same burning pain went up into my upper body and got to the point where I could only sit up for short periods of time and I could no longer use my arms. At that point, I had a neck brace and knee braces and a back brace. And even with all the support, I could hardly move. This went on in varying degrees over the last two years. And there were some months where I got better and I could do a lot more, like come to church. And then there were months where the whole thing would happen again and I'd be back laying in bed, unable to walk. So you can only imagine this was very overwhelming and scary for our family.
0: Yeah, and I imagine it was a a large burden on uh, your husband Keith as well. Is that true, Keith?
2: Yeah, uh, uh, pretty quickly Gina's mess became my mess. And I had to learn how to um, get our two kids off to school every morning, uh, get our, our toddler out of, the, out of her crib. Um, and then I had to tend to Gina, uh, not just her physical needs and getting her out of bed, but also uh, her emotional needs. Um, and uh, all the while, I had to hold down a job. I'm grateful. My boss allowed me to work from home. Um, but uh, I, I still, the stress level was building and building probably 18 months in. And, uh, um, I started snapping at everybody. Um, I, I could see my kids flinch when I would yell at them, and I just felt I was just crushed inside of what I was doing. And it all kind of came to a head one morning. Um, I just blew a gasket. Uh, I was just, uh, all of the above was happening, and I started getting all these client calls on my telephone, and every time I got a call, the phone rang. My stress level just increased and increased, and, and I, I just... I just lost it. I started yelling about how overwhelmed I was at the situation um, and and then I, I looked down and um, I see Gina in bed writhing in pain, um, uh, crying and i just uh, I, 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 I just dropped to my knees uh, I began to cry uh, began to pray, uh, and I prayed uh, two specific things: one was um, God, take this anger away from me. It's toxic. It's it's just ruining my family. Um, And the second thing was, uh, God, please give me your perspective in this. Let me see Gina as you see Gina. You you chose to come down here and walk amongst us. You know our pain. This is, you know it. I know you know it. And um, shortly after that, uh, God just replaced my anger with compassion, and it has never come back. uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I think anger and compassion are just mu- mutually exclusive. They can't exist at the same time.
0: Mm. Well, I love the story that, uh, that God is doing something in you, even in the midst of the mess, because I know the mess is, is still going on. And so how are you going and growing through this mess?
1: Well, getting through this mess has not been easy. I've learned so much from the church and from our amazing church friends and families and from my husband who constantly recited scripture to me. And I also learned how God uses our messes to teach us things and to draw us back to a closer relationship with him. I also learned that there's always a purpose for our pain, no matter what kind. And when we have pain, we shouldn't feel abandoned by God, but we should know he's just waiting for us to embrace him. And once I really claimed my faith and clung to the promises in the scriptures, I really began to see God's glory, and I reached out to the church for help, and I was so amazed at the amount of help we received. So many families came to our rescue. It was as if God himself had thrown us a life preserver and just stopped us from sinking because things were getting really bad. There were so many families that came, people we didn't even know were doing our laundry, they were taking care of our kids, they were doing our yard work, they were even driving our children to church activities because I couldn't drive. And um, we were just so blessed. We're so thankful to be part of this church. How
0: mm-hmm. well, about you, Keith? What, what are some things that God has done to teach you and, and grow you through this?
2: Yeah, well, um, and it's still going on. Um, one of the sweetest things that, that's come from this is uh, something we call um, uh, bedtime Bible time. Um, at, at some point during this, this whole ordeal, uh, Gina uh, developed tremendous anxiety, and it would always come on right as we were about to, about to go to bed. She couldn't take anything because even taking an Advil would make her, she would go have a reaction to it. So uh, we sought some counsel, and what people told us was uh, just create a very calm environment. Um, so I instantly thought, well, why not just read the Psalms? It o- it's always worked for me. Um, so I began to do it, and it worked. There were times that she would fall asleep as I was reading. And uh, uh, now we all go to bed at the same time in my house. Um, I have three daughters. And I thought, well, why not just reel the kids in on this? And it has turned into um, just such a, 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 um, such a wonderful, intimate time in the evening. Um, I would, uh, you know, I'm no Bible scholar, but somehow it's as if the Holy Spirit is giving my words utterance. Um, I'll just read one chapter from the Bible on my phone with the lights off, and we engage in this interaction where kids are asking me questions and I actually have answers for them. It's, uh, it's, uh, it makes me feel so good because I'm finally, I feel like finally in my life, I'm doing what God created me to do, which is to minister to my family.
0: Wow. I love the way that you truly have become a masterpiece, that God's using uh, the mess to actually make you even a better uh, leader in your family and, uh, and bringing joy to you. And, and significant ways. Rob, uh, what about you? you? Your mess is a little, little different in your past. Tell us about uh, your mess. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it is different. I uh,
3: got, was addicted to alcohol, and in more recent time, uh, prescription medication. And uh, life was just a total mess. I, uh, my wife and I were married singles. My participation as a father was existent. Um, my health deteriorated. I, uh, because of the addiction, I was in the hospital for surgery. And uh, while I was in the hospital, I really hit my rock bottom. And uh, I've always believed in God, but, you know, didn't have a relationship. I always thought he was this guy out in the stars somewhere, you know, far, far away. And, and for the first time in my life, I prayed from my heart. And it was just so powerful. He, I could tell he was right there in the room with me. And that was the beginning of my faith right there. And it was just life-changing and uh, I just I, I can't express to anyone how when you're going through a struggle how much God can play a role I, I wasn't a believer before but now I really am he really was I he was in that room right there with me and he yeah. said you know I'm with you I'm ready to take this journey with you and ever since it's just been now was about, just it, like
0: eight months ago yeah and about about eight months ago and yeah. uh, and God immediately drew you here to BlackRock and uh, what have you learned in the, even in this messy series and, uh, and so forth? Well, yeah, I mean, I've learned that, you know, God uses people
3: uh, to, to, to help other people uh, in messy times. And also just uh, when I first came to BlackRock, uh, it was basically right after I got out of the hospital uh, because of that, you know, powerful experience in the hospital. And uh, I had, uh, shortly after that, signed up for Men's Weekend. And uh, my, I said, I think I'm going to sign up for that. my wife said, okay sure you are because she never never was you know never thought I was that type of person well I'll tell you that that cha- changed my life even more I went and met you know uh, men who you know were you know practice fellowship and I learned all about that and, and created relationships my wife and I joined a community group as well as starting point so I get to learn more about Jesus and and uh, get to share that time with her so it's made us closer I have a better relationship with my kids it's it's life-changing
0: Wow well, thank you for uh, being willing to come and to demonstrate what it means to be a masterpiece because you're, you're admitting uh, the mess that you're experiencing and have experienced. Uh, you're part of an active uh, community of blessed messes and sharing that and strengthening others. And you're willing to share your story of how the Savior has, uh, has made, it, made, it all, made it all different. And... Uh, Let's just thank uh, uh, Rob and Keith and Gina for the way that they've shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And while we all stand as we close, and just remember that we have some men and women up here in the front who are ready to pray with you. And maybe this is that moment where uh, you become a true masterpiece to God's glory. Jesus, thank you again for meeting with us, uh, for parading into our midst and into our lives in a way that uh, changes everything. You don't always take away the mess, but you can uh, do things even in the midst of our messes that is really beautiful and makes our lives a masterpiece. Send us out with that joy. And all God's people said, amen.